What a great day to be in church. We're going to uh, move straight into it. So if we can throw up the first slide. Warp speed, Mr. Sulu. Some of you will be old enough to remember that. Who remembers that? Yeah, come on. You've got you to do it right. Some of you will have to grab your, your little finger and, your, and stretch it. But So can we just go straight to the... This is my favourite show growing up in the 1970s. Star Trek. Used to wait every week to watch it. And uh, that was my favourite part when the uh, Starship Enterprise would, would go at warp speed so they could get to another galaxy. You know, it's, uh, it takes a long time to go from one galaxy to another. And you would be seriously old if you didn't have warp drive because warp drive enabled you to travel at the speed of light. And, you know, it was a bit old school the way they did the speed of light, the whole speed of light thing. But um, as I was preparing this message this week, that came back to me. And I, I was thinking about Christmas, you know, we're going into a season the next couple of weeks when we are going to have more opportunity than we've ever had over the last, whatever, 50 weeks or whatever, to encounter unsaved friends and relatives. Not only to encounter them, but to encounter them in an environment where they're open to the gospel. Because they're going to come to the carols. You know, if they're not going to come to our carols, they're going to go to some carols. And if they don't go to some carols, I guarantee they're watching the Maya Music Bowl with Channel 9. So I'm, I got to thinking, what if we had a way to take our spiritual life and accelerate it to warp speed? You know, to, to, to make it something that was beyond what it could be under natural circumstances. Amen? And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. So let's go straight to the word. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, sorry, to 10. We were doing, uh, coming in the car and Rachel said, um, I'm, I can't wait to hear you preach, Dad. And I said, yes, I'm looking forward to hearing it myself. And she said, don't you know what you're going to speak about? And I said, yeah, I know what I'm going to speak about, but I don't know how it's going to come out. And uh, she said, well, try speaking. And I went, well, I was thinking of doing charades. And then I thought about Philippians and I thought, I don't know anybody in the church named Philip. So it sounds like it's going to be really difficult there. So I'm glad I'm going to be speaking. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. We're going to stop there for a moment. We're just going to do it today bit by bit. So we'll, we'll read a little bit, then we'll talk a little bit, and then we'll read a little bit more. And so the interesting thing here, I found when I, was, when I, I began to read this again, because this was the verse for today, and I went forward two weeks when I got the book because I wanted to see what I'm going to be speaking about. And when I saw this passage, I went, yes! Because I, I developed this message in Thailand and I've never really preached it. So it's probably three years old and it's been just cooking, waiting to come out. So I hope it's, it's done well and not overdone. But one of the things that really hit me, Paul says, I want you to have the same attitude that Jesus had. Attitude. What does that mean? What does that mean when he said, and I want you to think the same as Jesus did. Okay. Yeah, I get that. What does that mean? Think the same as Jesus. And God said, I want you to think like a saviour 
and not a victim. I went, whoa. That's serious. I want you to think, I want you to go into situations like a saviour and not a victim. That puts a whole new spin on it, doesn't it? You thought this was, you know, book, book giving. This was going to be a real easy one, light, bit of jokes. Well, I have got a joke in a minute. It's a really good one. But, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago we did celebration service and we, we talked about Thanksgiving. And, and for those of you who have read a bit of the Bible, a verse will come to mind straight away. Psalm 100. I think it is Psalm 100. I hope it's Psalm 100. Otherwise I'll look like an idiot. But I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. And I was thinking about that, you know. And what are his gates and what are his courts? What does that mean? What does it mean to us, you know? Are we sort of going through gates? Does it mean coming through the door? And there's a sense in which, yes, it does mean that. But I want to I throw a slightly different slant on it. Every time we, we engage the will of God where his presence is, that's courts, his courts and his gates. And so when we come into a situation or a circumstance and we come into it with thanksgiving, we are entering with something powerful. Now let me explain it to you. And, and, and this is where Jess was praying today and I, I, I couldn't pass this up because it was too, it was delicious. She was praying under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and said, and Father, we pray that you would deliver people from mental health. And I thought, looking around, God is answering our prayers. Did you get that? That God would deliver us from mental health, not mental health issues. And looking around at some of you, God is answering our prayers. Okay, it was a little subtle, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. See, you'll get it around about middle of lunch, I think, and you know, you'll go, oh, yeah, that's what he was talking about. Or you just won't, and you just think it was stupid. But here's the thing. When we, when we have... Uh, when we have thanksgiving, when we make that our habit, when we uh, go into every situation with that, that, that ringing in us, when you're giving thanks, you are walking in gratitude. So follow me. Thanksgiving brings gratitude or it, it, it opens the door to gratitude. Gratitude, gratitude implies there was something that happened in your life that was greater than you could ever perform yourself. Amen? Because that's otherwise you wouldn't be grateful. So in other words, God has broken into your life with a miracle and therefore you're grateful. Okay, so follow it with me. Thanksgiving opens the door to gratitude. Gratitude underscores the fact that God has worked miracles in our life. The thought that God, when we, when we we rejoice in that and when we think about that, when we dwell on that, we come with an understanding, if God did it once, he'll do it again. So whatever situation we're going into with that attitude, we're coming, we're looking back to when God did a miracle and we were grateful for it. And then we begin to think about God. And all of a sudden, we're not going into circumstances that might be difficult or situations that might be troubling, alarming or stretching unarmed. 
We're going into that situation with the God who is more than enough. He is El Shaddai, the God of plenty. He's more than enough. That, that, it's a, it's a, a weird picture, but El Shaddai, that, that picture is God, the multi-breasted one. In other words, the one who has more than enough for every need. The picture is of, of animals feeding. God has enough for you. He has enough for me. He has enough for my situation. He's had enough for my situation over the years. In fact, more than enough. And so when I'm going into a situation today, I go into that situation when I go into it with thanksgiving in my heart, armed with the fact that God is more than enough. We go into the situation with thinking like a saviour and not thinking like a victim. We go into a situation that might be difficult and our thought is, how can I help? How can I help? Because I'm, I'm not here on my own. I'm representing Jesus. Now, the other thing, the other reason I thought was interesting as to why Paul says this, and if you're anything like me, I think he he says it because we don't. I think Paul says it, let this mind be in you that's also in Christ Jesus. He had to say it because we don't. Have you noticed that? Sometimes I, I, I find myself in a situation and I'm not only living like Jesus uh, didn't die and rise again. I'm, I'm living and thinking like he never came. Have you noticed that? And you've, you've got to kind of shake yourself and have some thanksgiving and enter some courts with praise to get yourself back into that place where you're thinking like a saviour and not thinking like a victim. And it's a challenge, you know, it's... I'd love to say at the end of the service, let's come down and I'm going to lay hands on you and pray for you and it's going to change. Sorry, folks, I can't do that. And I don't even think God does it. But what he does, he does say, and if we can throw that scripture up, uh, Cam, I'm not even sure if I'm at the right place, but Paul says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By changing. Not by a change. Bam! And it's done. By changing day after day, circumstance after circumstance, operation of thanksgiving after operation of thanksgiving, where we go, I'm going to go into today with thanksgiving in my heart, into his courts with praise. I'm going to rejoice in him. I'm going to enter this situation knowing that the God who is more than enough is with me and finding success and say, I'm going to do that again. And I'm going to do that again. And I'm going to do that again until my thinking's changed. And that becomes my thinking. You know, some of us are still thinking like we were before Jesus came. How do I know that? Because I do. I find myself like that. I look at a situation and a circumstance and I go, I don't know if we can, I don't know if that can be fixed. As though Jesus never came. As though Jesus never died. As though he never rose again. As though he never put his spirit in us. As though he never put his presence in us. Have you ever been like that? Because I know I have. So let's quickly go through this. We won't go to the next scripture. We'll just go back to the next slide, Cam, because I'm going to end up running out of time. So what does it mean? What to think like a saviour? The first thing that Jesus did is he made himself of no reputation. King James, New King James Version says that. He made himself of no reputation. In other words, he wasn't particularly interested in what people thought about him. See, one of, the things that, one of the things that will kill our courage and capacity to be 
a help in a situation is, what are they going to say? What are they, they going to say? What are they going to say if I say that? Well, you know, if I, if I just sort of said, hey, you know, look, can I pray for you? What are they going to say? And we're concerned about our reputation. And Jesus said, I'll show you what to do, guys. Make yourself a no reputation. In other words, let God take care of your reputation. And when we get to the end of this message, you'll see how God took care of his reputation. But, but firstly, he made himself of no reputation. Another translation says of the same verse, he emptied himself. He, he emptied himself of his divine privileges. Even though he was equal with God, he didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. In other words, he said, I am not going to trust on my right to be called the Son of God and do miracles. Jesus said, I'm going to call myself the Son of Man and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do miracles through me. And see, this is the great thing about the gospel. Jesus didn't come as an example to us as the Son of God. All singing, all dancing, all bells whistling, Son of God. He came to us as a human being. And I love what uh, John Lennox said. He said, God loved us so much that he became one of us forever. And he came and showed us, demonstrated how to walk out a life in God by the Holy Spirit, not by divine privileges. And so he's, he's saying, you can do this. You can do this. With my help, you can do this. He emptied himself. And then it says he became obedient. Let's, let's read on a little bit further. Next one, thanks, Cam. He took the humble position as a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. One of the, one of the things that we, we struggle with, I believe, in church life, and especially in Protestant church life, is this concept of humility. It's not something we've, we've developed very well for one another. If I was to ask you, what does it mean to be humble? Uh, there'd be all kinds of questions, answers that would come back. You know, uh, you know, to think lowly of yourself, not to think much of yourself. But if we can throw that next slide up, Cam. I, I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. <laughs> See, sometimes we think humility is about making yourself like a worm, taken the lowest place, I'm just a dog, I'm just hopeless, I don't deserve anything. That's not humility, that's stupid. Because God doesn't even tell us like that. You know, I want you to understand something. Jesus loved you so much, so much, that he was willing to become like you, that he might save you. He loved you so much. He was willing to leave whatever form he existed in. But whatever that was, it was significant enough to create the earth. Because the Bible says that God created all things through him and for him. And the Bible said he put that aside purposely. He willingly laid that aside because he loved you so much he became one of you that in that way he might become salvation to your life. And not only that, <laughs> that would be great if that was, even if that was the answer, you know, he saved us, yes. 
But not only that, he opened up the way for us to become like him. Because the Bible says that God is at work within us, conforming us to the image of his son. So Paul says, I want you to think like a savior because that's what God's making you into. He's making you salt and light. Remember? Jesus said, I'm the light of the earth. Jesus said, you're the light of the earth. I'm making you like me. I'm making you so that when you can go into situations and circumstances, armed with thanksgiving, armed with gratefulness, armed with the concept of a miracle, armed with the fact that God is the all-sufficient one, you, can, you have the ability to stand in that circumstance, whatever it is, and say, can I help? Can I help? Okay. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honour. Uh, there's another, another verse there. I don't know if it's... I don't even know where it is. I've lost it. Maybe it comes out later. I'll, I'll get to it later. This is amazing. Do you know that God's attracted to humility? He's attracted to it. He loves it so much, he's attracted to it. In fact, he will climb over other people to get to you when you adopt this kind of attitude. God, I'm going to lay aside my reputation. I'm going to become obedient. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to become like one of them. I'm not going to stand and point the finger and judge them. I'm going to come and sit down where they are and I'm going to become like one of them. I'm going to take my place beside them and I'm going to take everything that you gave me, Father, and I'm going to give it to them. So, so when we find ourselves in that position where we come and sit down amongst people that need Jesus, God will climb over other people to get to us. You know, the Bible says that God responds to faith. Yes, he does. But I tell you what, he's attracted to humility. He responds to faith. And the reason I know that is because I've seen some fairly proud people operate in faith and see God work a miracle through them. But I, I tell you what, that's not anywhere as near as good as having God push others out of the way to get to you. Because he wants to just touch your life with, with amazing stuff. The psalm says that, talking about Jesus, it said, you, because of what you did, God loved you and elevated you above all your companions. Above all your companions. God will climb over whatever's in the way to get to you just to pour out into your life. Okay. He responds to humility. Okay, so let's go to the next screen. We'll, we'll keep reading. And this is the passage I want to get to. Therefore... Therefore, Bob Mumford says, when you see a therefore, find out what it's there for. <laughs> therefore, therefore, therefore. And, and if you haven't picked up on the message today, the, the whole concept of engage warp speed, Mr. Mr. Sulu, is this engaging the therefore of God in our life. Attracting the therefore of God. What Jesus did, he humbled himself, he became obedient, even to death on the cross. The Bible says, therefore. 
God climbed over everybody else to get to him and to pour grace upon grace out on his life. And when that grace hit the world, when that grace hit the cross, I've got this picture that God put in my mind years ago of Jesus on the cross. And it's like when he said, it is finished, it's like the power of God hit him on the cross and exploded. And all I can say it was like, you know, computer generated graphics in the movies. But it hit him and this like atomic reaction took place and and there was this explosive force that went backward through time and paid the price of every sin that was ever committed and just completely took away the curse of sin that was ever committed in history past but also went forward into time and did exactly the same thing for every sin that was yet to be committed. And so here we stand before God. Clean. Clean. You say, how can I be clean? God, I know what I'm like. Remember I said it was a miracle? See, all of us can think of people that, God, it'd be a miracle if they ever got saved. Hey, let's look in the mirror. It's a miracle that I got saved. It's a miracle that you got saved. And, and God has made you clean forever. And you go, yeah, but you don't understand what I've done. It doesn't matter. It went backwards and it went forwards. It dealt with that. The Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Listen to it. No longer counting their sin against them. Think about that. When Jesus was on the cross and God was in Christ reconciling himself to the world or the world to himself, the Bible says that he, from that moment on, when Jesus took the penalty, God was no longer counting your sin against you. But Steve, you don't understand what I've done. Hey, it doesn't matter. You might have done a lot or you might have done not much. It doesn't matter. It's all a miracle to get you into the kingdom. Amen? Therefore... God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name that's above every other name. God will climb over others to engage the therefore in your life when you take the humble place, walk into a circumstance, armed with his presence and say, how can I help? How can I help? The Bible says that God will say therefore over you. One of my other favourite passages, I didn't have time to put it up, on the, but I'm going to quote it to you. It says, I think in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, it starts off the first five verses talking about what kind of worms we were and, and you know, how we were full of sin and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then verse 6 says these words. It's kind of like a therefore, but it's, it's, a, it's another phrase that we can engage. But God. But God. See, I wouldn't be here. I'd be in a mess. But God. But God. But God, rich in mercy and with the great love that he loved us, made us alive together with Christ. See, he didn't lift us up to some lowly place at his feet. It says he has made us alive together with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Because his intention wasn't just to save us, it was to conform us into his image to make us like him so that we could stand in the midst of circumstances like he stood in the midst of circumstances and say, how can I help? How can I help? What can I do? It may be just put your arm around someone and say, look, I can't begin to understand what you're going through with Jack. But... uh, (laughs) 
But just know that I'm with you. Sorry, Jack. It had to be said for someone and she was just the closest. But gone. Therefore, God highly exalted him and gave him the name above every other name. You think God didn't think about Jesus when he was on the cross? He was willing to become a man and become like us, that he might save us. And God says, I'll take him. I'll climb over everything to pour out everything onto him. I'll give him a name that's above every other name. You know, talk about he laid aside his reputation and look what he got back. The greatest reputation of ever. Okay, let's, let's keep going to the next, next slide. I think we're just about done. Engaging the therefore of God. We have this capacity to engage this supernatural power in our life. In other words, we have this capacity to draw God to us. James 4, 6 and 10. I think have we got that verse there, Cam? Or not? No, we don't. Okay, I'm going to have to read this. Or I'm going to go old school and read the Bible. Does anybody remember when we used to do that? When we, uh, we didn't have that little magnifying glass thing on the side of our Bible. Have you noticed? On my Mo Bible. Have you got a Mo Bible? Like a, you know, one in your phone or... Okay. On, on, the, si- on the side of it, there's a, there's a little magnifying glass thing. And when you click on that, it's the search... And you don't have to remember where anything is anymore. You just click on the search. In the old days, you just used to have to remember where the stuff was in the Bible. And now I don't remember nothing, I've got to tell you. <laughs> I, just, I, th- I was looking for a scripture earlier in the prayer meeting. And I thought, oh, i got Buckley's. Where's, um, I didn't have my phone. All I had was the old Bible. But we're going to go back there. We're going to go to James chapter 4. Genesis, Exodus. James. I've got it too, it's a miracle. James chapter 4 and verse 6 says, He gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires as the scripture says. God opposes the humble but favours. Sorry, God opposes the proud but favours the humble. That's why I need those new mobiles because you, you can actually press the listen to it thing and when the guy's speaking it out and reading it, he doesn't make mistakes. And you don't end up with the Bible backwards in your head. God opposes the humble. God opposes the humble. That could be half our problem. So humble yourself before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. And then in verse 10 it says, uh, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honour. The result of humility is grace. Now, here's another, here's another thing we need to do as believers. We need to understand and unpack grace. And I haven't got time to do that for you today. But I'm just going to say this. Because sometimes we think grace is, I don't know what we think it is. You know, God just gave me some grace like it was, I don't know, potato salad. It's just, just something, you know. No, no. Grace is favour and empowerment. It's all undeserved. It's totally undeserved. Like none of us deserve any favour or power. But God gives it to us. He gives us favour and power. 
Because when it says that, it talks about like healing the sick, that's described as one of the grace gifts. It's one of the things we receive in the bundle that is grace. And I love this. God has seen your life. And, and Ephesians says that he lavishes grace upon us. And when you lavish something, it's not like, yeah, one for you, one's enough. <laughs> he, he, just, he just, and there's grace everywhere. It's all hanging off your clothes. It's ponding around you on the floor. So much so that people could run and, and kind of get into that grace that, that's just washed off you and is just lying on the floor and do amazing things as a result of the grace that's just been poured out on you and is now lying on the floor. That's what the Bible says. That's how it, God describes it. He gives us more than enough because that's his character. He's El Shaddai, the God of plenty. He gives us more than enough. He lavishes on us its favour. So when we go into a situation and a circumstance armed with thanksgiving and gratitude and an understanding of the miracle working power of God and a knowledge that we go into that circumstance with the all-sufficient one, not only with us but in us and working through us, God opens up the door of favour that people might receive it. Amen? And, and the reason we know that is because one day we were the receivers. And one day somebody come and stood before us and gave us a message and we went, we just opened our heart because God gave them favour. And then in that opening of the heart, they were able to pour in something, a word, a touch, a healing some something, some token of God's goodness that convinced us that God was God and Jesus was who God said he was and he died on the cross and he rose again and as, uh, what's his name from, Andy Stanley says, anybody who can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, I'm just going to listen to whatever he says. I'm just going to do whatever he tells me to do. Does it make sense? It doesn't matter. He said he was going to die and he was going to come back to life and he pulled that one off. And so if he can do that, I believe anything he says. Empowering. Warp speed, Mr. Sulu. All of us are going to go into circumstances over the next couple of weeks where we would love to have that ability to just grab that sucker and go and, and unleash something that's beyond what we're capable of humanly. Amen? Let's stand. Let's pray. As I said, I'd love to lay hands on you this morning and just say, receive it. But that's not going to work. But what I am going to do is I'm going to invite you into a life of change. First thing I want to invite you into is I want to invite you into a lifestyle of thanksgiving and celebration. Amen? We, we didn't do that last week just to give, uh, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, just to give Jess something to preach about on her birthday. It's because it's important. You know, and, and what, I've, what I've worked up to today is the reason why it's important. Because it, it opens up something to us. It opens 
an, an unlimited power of God to us when we, when we do that. Amen? Father, I thank you for my friends that are gathered before us today and we're all here together in this thing. And God, yeah, we know we don't deserve it. We understand that. But God, we're so grateful that even though we didn't deserve it, while we were still your enemies, Christ came and he became one of us. And he came and not became one of us to lord it over us, but he came one of us and came and stood in the midst of us and walked in us and shared in what we have to walk through. The Bible says that he he was tempted in every way. He experienced everything we experienced, but yet without sin. And God, we're so grateful. We're so grateful. We remember the fact that each one of us is a miracle. And that you have performed miracle upon miracle in our lives. God, help us to learn that. Help us to make that a rut within our thinking that we keep going back to. Father, that we would understand in every situation and circumstance that we enter, we enter armed with the, the, the manifest presence of God, the manifold power of God, the all-sufficiency of God. Father, that we might say, can I help? Why don't you just say that today? Just in your heart, can I help? Can I help? Is there anything I can do? Can I pray for you? Why don't you come with us on Sunday and listen to what God might say to you? There's a number of ways that can I help can be fleshed out. But Father, we're just presenting ourselves today. Why don't you do that? That's probably the the best thing I can say is I'm not going to pray for you. I'm not going to put hands on you. Why don't you just stand there and say, here I am. God, I choose to lay aside my reputation. I choose to take the place of a servant. I choose to humble myself and become obedient. God, that your will might be done. In Jesus' name. Amen.